0: Uh, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 22. If you found your place, say amen. All right. The Bible says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Did y'all see that? A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. Now what does that mean? That means that as a father, as a parent, you're not just going to influence or affect the lives of your children according to the word you're going to affect the lives of your grandchildren i heard this said one time i heard this said one time and it makes a lot of sense that that you're not you you cannot judge how well you did at training your children by how they turned out he said you judge how your children you you did training your children by how your grandchildren turned out say amen right there father thank you for your word thank you for your goodness thank you for your love and your mercy god move in this service and your will be done in jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated how many of you how many of you today how many of you today you have you have grandchildren Do we have any grandparents in the house raise your hand if you got grandparents or you got grandchildren raise it high you got grandchildren now, how many of y'all like them better than your children? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, you can't admit it too too early right there. They're sitting right there with you. Uh, I, saw, I saw a bumper sticker the other day that said, "Grandchildren is God's gift for not killing your own children." God gave them as a blessing. Uh, now, I don't know because I don't have them yet. I don't you know I can't but they say when it happens, it's just it's something about it here we go, you know, Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby said that, that every time that he went to his father and asked for money, his, he got this long speech about the economy and about money don't grow on trees and about how hard it is to make it. He never got anything. He said, but now when his father comes over, he lines up the grandchildren and says, see what I can give you. Let me see how much Paw has and how much money. And he said, when he leaves, I go to the children and I take all of that money because that is my money. Say amen. <laughs> Something about that. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. But you know, uh, uh, grandchildren, we look at this situation, and man, I kept reading this and reading this and reading this. How many of y'all know, we, we look at this as money. A good man leaves an inheritance, not just to his children, but to his grandchildren. But do you realize this can go further, and it does go a lot further than just money. You're going to leave something behind, whether it's good or bad. What are you leaving behind? Today, what are you leaving behind? What lifestyle are you living in front of your children that they're going to live in front of their children? What are you leaving behind that's going to affect the lives of your grandchildren? Our, our training, our development, our teaching, our lifestyle around our children will greatly affect the quality of life of our grandchildren. It says a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. I was thinking about being Father's Day and, 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 and what I needed to say today and what God wanted me to say today. And I said, man, what do I want to leave behind? You know, surely, truly, we want to leave money. You know, we want to leave something behind as far as monetary means go uh, to, to be a blessing to them, help them get a start or whatever. And I told my children, don't look like that's going to happen, amen, so we need to pick something else out. But what, what can we leave behind? What should we leave behind? And, I, and God gave me just a couple of things, and I want to do this brief and quick for you. Uh, and I want you to write this down. This is important. And if, you, if, if, if you're looking for something politically correct, you're in the wrong place today. I try to be nice as much as I can, but today is just going to be something that's just going to be off. It, 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 it's just not going to, it's really not accepted in a lot of places, but it is what it is. So I'm going to just go ahead and put it out there. Uh, number one, I think we all need to leave behind our children, no matter who you are, uh, father or mother. If you're responsible and you have you have accountability with children and you, you you are there raising or training them, I think we should all leave behind a good work ethic. A good work ethic. Man, if there's anything that's missing today in society, it's people that have a good work ethic. Preacher, I just don't know about this work stuff, you know. Uh, Work, that was because of the curse. No, sir. No, sir. Work did not come from the curse. Work was there before the curse ever took place. The Bible says when he made man, he took him and put him in the garden so he could till the garden, so he could work the garden he knew something about work god knows we need work we need to work we need to be busy we need to be active and god thought enough of it and he was uh, listen he was serious enough about it they said if a man don't work neither should he eat you know why because hunger is one of the greatest motivational forces in the world and god knows if you get hungry enough you will work you will work i need a witness we need to teach our children a good work ethic. The Bible says the Bible says so much about slothfulness. The Bible says so much about laziness. Man, there was a lot of things that that I got from my dad. There was a lot of things I got from my family. And one of the most important things is a work ethic. Man, we need to work. When we was big enough to pick up pine cones at the church, we was picking up pine cones. We was big enough to pick up blocks. We was picking up blocks. We wasn't fishing. We wasn't chilling with the brothers. We wasn't doing anything else. We was working because he wanted us to grow up to be able to take care of ourselves. He didn't want us depending on nobody else. And a good work ethic is needed in today's society, and it's only going to come from the parents. You say, preacher, I don't like it. You know, I don't want to force my kid to do it. They don't like to do that kind of thing. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't like it when he had us out there working. I didn't like it when we were going out there and we were sweating and going. But I'm telling you, I'm so glad he did today because I take care of myself, and I don't have to worry about nobody else having to take care of my family. Listen, we need a work ethic. We need a work ethic. There's something it does. There's something it does for your children. Number one, or A, or however you're writing this out, the first thing we see, a good work ethic will prevent poverty. A good work ethic will prevent poverty. i seen the bumper sticker on a car going down the road the other day. said, I fight poverty. I'm going to work. It fights poverty. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. I know you think I'm making this up. Put that, put that Proverbs verse up there. Somebody's taking my outline. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about a lazy person. He's talking about somebody that won't get up and go to work. He said, if you're going to stay in bed, if you're going to stay in a lazy situation, you're going to be surrounded by poverty. Poverty, let me give you another one. Let me give you another one. Give me that. Give me that next one up there. Right above, right under that, the uh, the Proverbs one. Proverbs 28, 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain person shall have poverty enough. Listen, let's go to work. Let's go to work. Our society is filled with people with their hands out looking for a handout. People that do not work will always have to be supported by those who do. We are in a time, I'm telling you, I I, I don't want to get political about this, I don't want to, but look at our country. We are in a bad way. The debt crisis is killing America. We are living in a situation where we don't want to work. We want to work less and get paid more. Listen, they don't want to go above and beyond the call of duty. I worked with a guy in South Carolina. I worked with a guy and he said, they can't get but eight out of me and they would do just enough to get by so they wouldn't get fired. What happened? What happened with saying, hey, I want to do the best I can so that I could be promoted or so I could get in the... Are y'all with me? A work ethic. A work ethic. And listen, a work ethic is not... It's not, uh, you can't say it, you got to do it. You can't sit on the couch and say, give me a glass of tea and think your child's going to get a work ethic. They're just going to hate you for being a slave driver. But if you're outside in that garden picking weeds beside them, I need a witness, a work ethic. Listen, it will prevent poverty. Not only that, this is a good one right here. It promotes pride. It promotes pride. Where has that gone today? Well we take pride in what we do. We take pride in our craftsmanship. We take pride in our work. I was I was working at a golf course in in, uh, in South Carolina and, and one of the and I can remember this to this day, I remember the situation, I remember when he said it, and I remember what listen we were, we were rebuilding sand traps. I don't know if you know anything about golf course or whatever, but we was in there rebuilding sand traps, and they gave me the job uh, in that particular situation and some guys to help me. And, and man, I was going way beyond. I'm talking about I was, I was bringing in sod. I was doing all kinds. Be I wanted to look like it came off Augusta National. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But it was causing us it was causing us to do a lot more work than really would would have been normally acceptable. And, And the old boy working with me said, man, what are you doing? They aren't expecting this. And I said, but my name is on it. I said, when they ask who did this and who built this and who made this, they're going to say my name. And if they say my name, I want it to look great. I want them to say, wow, Malcolm did that. And they just could not get that. And we are living in a society of young people today that just don't get that. We need to put pride back into what we do so that if your name is on it, it's the best that it can be. I don't care if you're a painter or a plumber or a pediatrician, you need to be the best one that you can be. The Bible says and Ecclesiastes, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Do it the very best you can. Amen. The Bible says this. The Bible says, Whatever you do, do as unto the Lord. What does that mean? That means it don't matter who the name of your employee or employer is on that check, you're serving the Lord. Now are you working your job as if he is your boss? Do you take pride in what you do? If you don't, they won't. Do it right. If it's worth doing, do it right. Amen? Amen. Let's teach our children a good work ethic. It prevents poverty. It promotes pride. Then see, it precedes prosperity. It precedes prosperity. We're trying every way in the world. We're trying every way in the world. Uh... To to figure out a a way to to shortchange the system. We're trying we're trying to to work less to get more, and 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 everywhere. Give me give me the verse underneath that one, if you don't mind. Ecclesiastes nine ten. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. That's not the one. I'm talking about the one under under C, the one under C. Can you give me that one? I have lost my notes up here. You got that one? The verse basically says this: He that if you work, if you work and you try to sneak around, if you try to if you try to connive your way into making riches, if you're if you're doing what you can to to, to try to cheat and steal and of it, it's gonna diminish. In other words, it's gonna go away. It's gonna diminish. But if you labor if you labor you will prosper now how many y'all want to prosper now look we can go at it one or two ways we can do it god's way or we can do it the world's way you say well that's not always true then how come it is that most people that win the lottery are broke within a couple years they did a documentary on TV. They did a documentary on TV and said, look, uh, 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 they took all these different people that had won the lottery and all this, and just about every one of them, within a couple of years, they were broke. Why? Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. But he that gathereth by labor shall, what's that word? Increase. Increase. Let's teach our kids, if you want a bonus, work harder. If you want people to, if you want to stand out, if you, want to, if you want to move ahead in life, it's going to take hard work. Hard work. You say, well, Paris Hilton, she didn't have to look what she's got. You ain't Paris Hilton. We're poor people. We got to work hard. The only way that we're going to get ahead in life is work hard. Boy, this is going over like a lead balloon today. We don't want to hear this, do we? It's true. If we're going to make it, if we're going to get ahead, we're going to have to work at it. We're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to do everything we can, the best we can, or it's never going to happen. Church, say amen. A good work ethic. Thank you. Listen. Number two, write this down. Write this down. Number two. Not only do we need a good work ethic, but what's number two? We need a worship ethic enthusiasm what are you enthusiastic about what are you enthusiastic about today getting out of here <laughs> what are we teaching our kids what are we teaching our kids you're enthusiastic about something now if you don't think so wait to football season how many, of y'all, how many of y'all are Alabama fans in here let's have a word of prayer how many of y'all are Auburn fans in here? Oh God, help us, Lord Jesus. Well, we prayed sinners would be in the house. Amen. We. Any Gator fans? Come on, y'all, Gator fans. Oh yeah. See, there. The Bible says there'll always be a remnant. Amen. Listen, we get excited about that stuff, and I do. I'm telling you, I'm as I, me and Brother Patrick. We'll call each other back and forth, and and uh, and. Uh, and and matter of fact, I didn't call you after the Auburn game. I, I'm shy. I, I owe you one right there. All right? Y'all did win that. Uh, we get excited about this stuff. We show enthusiasm. And, and most of our kids are going to pick up on that. They will be excited about what we're excited about. They'll be enthusiastic about it. Well, how do you know that? Because they're usually those kids are wearing the same jerseys as the parents. I need a witness. I have one child. She was, she was dropped on her head and had oxygen deprivation. She's an Alabama fan. I don't know what happened to her. But... Uh, but most of the time, they're going to pick up on what we're excited about. Now, I wonder how many, how many of our children are as excited, they're as excited about church as you are. Or are you? Are we leaving behind? And the, I, I was thinking about this, guys. I'm telling you, this is serious stuff. This is serious stuff. I was thinking about what in the world, if I was to die... If I was to die, what do I want to leave for my kids? What do I want out of my kids? If I was to die today, and you know what? The one thing that kept coming back to me and kept coming back to my mind and I could not shake out of my mind, the one thing is I want them to keep going to church when I die. I don't want, I don't want it comes to the day and to the time when they can make up their own mind, they can choose yes or no whether they're going to go to church or not. I want them to keep going to church. I want them to love God like I love God. I want them to love church like I love church. And man, I tell you, I got to thinking about that. Are they seeing an enthusiasm in me with the things of God or am I more enthusiastic about sports? Now, there's nothing wrong with sports. I like sports. I like football. I can't wait to football season. I've been praying and fasting for the Gators because they're going to need a divine appointment and anointing. And I don't even know if that's going to work this year. It's going to be bad. I love sports. But you know what? An old mountain preacher, an old mountain preacher told me a long time, I think I was like 17 or 18, I heard him up there preaching, I'm sitting there, and he's going after it just groveling. And he said, sports are idolatry. And you know what I did? I made fun of him. I thought, that's the crazy thing. He's just too uptight. He needs to loosen up just a little bit. But you know what? You look at it today. You look at it today. And if you tell me that Satan hasn't strategically, I mean he is slick how he has done it, and he has used sports to pull families apart. He's used sports to pull people out of church. He's used sports to pull the enthusiasm, and people get more excited about a football than they do Jesus. And it's true. There's nothing wrong with football. It's what we make out of it. What are you leaving with your kids? Are you leaving them with an enthusiasm for church? Are you leaving them with an enthusiasm uh, for the things of God? Are you leaving them with an enthusiasm that, that, hey, God is real? What are you leaving them? Earlier in the service, we're going to do it after, after the, the message. Though We're going to play a little video. we got a little funny thing. That, that goes with, I just didn't feel like it was right then before I preached. Uh, 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 but we're going to do that in a minute. And some of y'all might like it, some of y'all might not like it. I thought it was hilarious. But, but the point is this, the kids loved it. Now, us old fogies, we don't like or get into that kind of thing. We wonder, bless God, we don't need it. We're losing our children. Amen. 77% of all young people that grow up in church by their first year in college are gone, never to come back. We need to get our heads out of the sand and understand why is that a problem? Because most of the children when they go to church they're bored when they get there. It doesn't need to be that way. Why in God's name are we taking the most interesting character of all time who was never boring? Everywhere Jesus went, he attracted crowds. I've never seen a boring person attract a crowd, have you? And we're running off our kids. Because we're too stubborn to use whatever we can and means to get their attention. We're in a different day. We're in a different day. You're sitting in the living room watching TV and everybody's on Facebook or on texting or on something or on whatever. Amen. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, we should all be rich and handsome, but that ain't the soul. Amen. We need to look at where we are and what we got to do to get them and reach them. Amen. And one thing we can do, we can get back excited about the things of God. Listen, they're not going to get enthusiastic until we get enthusiastic. Are, are they seeing enthusiasm in you? When, when my girls watch me watch Florida football, I'm in it, buddy. I'm telling you, I'm in it wide open. Everybody knows I'm watching it. I'm excited. I'll holler with the best of them. I'll get, I'll get with it wide open. I'm going to have a big time when I'm watching football. Do you all have a big time when you're watching football? Well, if, you, if you're not, you're shafting yourself. You really are. Listen why shouldn 't you get excited when you come to the house of God huh go I mean go after it all the way. I remember when I was a little kid I was a little I was sitting on the front row my my uh, I was sit right there in that chair right there. My dad had two rows of, of of pews in in the church, and I sat right there, my brother sat there, and my mom sat right behind me and uh and and for some reason, I was just in I was just, I, I had my groove on. Are y'all with me? I mean, I i i was in the song. I don't even remember what song. I was a little kid and don't before you go, oh, that's that contemporary music. It was gospel hymnal music. I mean, the old time. That's what dad had and that's what we had. But there was something about it. It was on me and I was having a big time. And I got ADHD and DDPD and whatever. I got all kinds of stuff. And I can get in my own little world very easily. It doesn't take much, and it's just me and nobody else. And I mean, I could be in a crowd of people, but I, it's just me. And I was standing there, and boy, that song was, And man, I, before long, I was, I was just with it. Boy, I'm telling you, that song was doing... Well, my mom was standing right behind me, and, 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 and she was like, "Papa, she done took all she could stand, and she couldn't stand no more. And she grabbed me and stopped me and said, Quit. And I was like... Okay. Man, I was worshiping. I was having a big time. I was... Does somebody got to tell you to chill out? Or do they got to check your pulse? Do Do your kids see you get excited about church? Boy, it's quiet, ain't it? Which would you rather err on? Would you rather your kids want enough, even you didn't even knew Jesus? Or would you want your kids going home and saying, I tell you what, my parents are crazy, man. They're a bunch of nuts going out. <laughs> Hello? I'd want them to think, hey, I don't know why he does that, but boy, he sure has a big time when he goes to church. You know. Baby Christians, baby Christians get excited. I like watching baby Christians. Baby, I, I, uh, a young man, I don't want to embarrass him. I don't want to embarrass him, but he come up to me, baptize him. Baptize him Sunday night. And, uh, and uh, uh, he came right, at, right before church. Right before church. They're in here today. And, on, and, and, and and look here, preacher, look here. Showed on one. He's got a tattoo. It said, faith on one side. And uh, I think joy on the other. I can't remember which side. And just excited. Look what I did after I got baptized. Now, that's first for me. That is a first. got to say right there. But, man, that enthusiasm. I said, yeah, man, that's wonderful. I'm going to look into that. Amen. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get no tattoo. If you come at me with a needle, you better have a doctor in front of your name. And you, you better be quick, is all I know, because I don't like needles. But you know what? I was so excited. I was excited for his excitement. I thought that was cool, man. Great. Wonderful. And you know what? We've lost that. If you've been saved an extended period of time, sometimes, however, that some way or another that enthusiasm goes, we need to get that back. We need to have the excitement that we had when we first got saved when you didn't know any better. You remember that? Listen, Jesus cares about your excitement level. Jesus cares about your enthusiasm. He said, do you, how do you know? In, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that the church of Ephesus, he got on to them. Not because they wasn't working hard. They had a good work ethic. He even praised their work ethic. He said, you're laboring and you're not putting up with sin. I mean, you're going after it, but I have somewhat against thee because you have left your first love. You know what he basically is saying? He said, "You've lost, the honeymoon's gone. He said, you're doing things out of obligation and not adoration. You're doing because you're supposed to. You're doing it because you feel like that's what you're supposed to do on Sunday. But where has that, man, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Man, I get to go worship Jesus this Sunday. You say, well, I've never had it. Well, it's time to get busy. Listen, he said, this is how serious he was about it. He said, "Unless you remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place." You know what he was saying by that? I will come and take my power and my presence out of that church. Man, I need, how many of y'all need God's power in your life? Well ain't it rough in this world? We're having to live this world, the problems we've got to deal. Man, I need Jesus with me. Well, then we need to get excited again. We need to get that honeymoon feeling back. That enthusiasm for the things of God. He said three things. Remember the way it was? And then repent. Repent. Basically what Jesus is saying, if we're not where we should be, if we're not excited like we used to be, then we need to make that right with God. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me for not being enthusiastic. Please forgive me for not being what I need to be. And then return and do thy first works, he said. Let me, give you, let me give you a couple things to write down under this, and, and we'll hurry. If I'm going to be enthusiastic about something, it's going to take three things. It's going to take adoration. I got to learn to love it again. You're not going to be enthusiastic about something you don't like. For instance, I'm never enthusiastic about getting a shot. Tammy's got to drag me, beg me, put me in the headlock and say, "I'm going to kill you if you don't get in this car. You're going to the doctor. You're going to get a shot." And I'll kick, screaming, fighting. I'm not enthusiastic about no shot. You're not going to get enthusiastic about things you don't like. Well, I tell you what, church is boring. Well, you need to get in one that's not. Now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and I told you it's not going to be politically correct, and you're going to hear things you don't want to hear, but I'm telling you, if you can't get excited about this church, you need to find one you can get excited about. And if you came to me and said, Preacher, we're over here at such and such church, and man, we're excited about it, our kids are excited about it, I'm sorry, I promise you this. I'll say, I'll say, Bon voyage, wonderful, God bless you, have a big time. If that's where you're going to be excited, if that's where your kids are going to be excited, that's where I want you to be. If you can't be excited about this place, I'm telling you, you're in the wrong place. I believe God will strategically place you somewhere where you can get excited about it. And if you're not, and you're where you're supposed to be, it's not the pulpit's problem, it's your problem. I'm telling you, we need to love God. He is worthy of our adoration. Say, what do we do then? The second thing, write this down. We not only need adoration, we need preparation. Do you know why? Do you know why these football players, when they come out on that field, they are jacked up. I'm talking about they are growling, their eyes are crossed, and they're ready to tear somebody's head off. You know why? Because they've been working two-a-days. They've been preparing all summer. They've been going through all of those practices. They've been going through all of that weight training. They've been doing everything they can to prepare themselves for that game, and that's why they are so pumped up when they get to the game. How many of y'all got ready for this game today? I mean, how many of you really pray? Because the Bible says you have not because you... How many of you prayed that God would have... He'd just show out today. How many of you prayed and said, Oh, God, move in an awesome way. Lord, I'd love to be excited today. I'd love to leave and say, Man, I had not had a service like that in a long time. How many of you prepared? You have not because you ask not. Pray about it. Ask God. what What do you need God to do for you? What do you need God to do for you? What what kind of service are you looking for? What kind of worship experience are you wanting to have? Have you asked God for it before you got here? If we don't prepare for it, we're not going to get it. Hello? Those, I'll move on. I'll move on, I need, I need to move on. See, see, Not only not only do we need adoration, we need preparation. Then see, you're going to get... Expectation. Expectation. I expected God to do something today. Because I've been asking him for. It. I expect enjoyment. I have all day. I've had, we had a great time in the early. I'm having a great time in this, and we ain't really wanting to hear what we hear, but we, we I'm having a great time. I'm expecting God to teach us something. I'm expecting God to help us, to show us, to give us. What did you expect when you came? Or did you expect anything? You know what I'm coming to find out? And I said this in the early, so I'm not picking on nobody here. I'm just, I'm just telling you a fact. Most of us do what we do out of obligation and not adoration. And the reason I know that is because when, before, before when we had church on a regular schedule, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, and Wednesday night and all that, people came until they realized they didn't have to. And see, we've got things going on. We've got a Bible study on Wednesday night that's kicking. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Verse by verse through the book of Luke, and a handful shows up. You know why? Because they don't have to. A lot of y'all are here today because you're supposed to. Now, does that bother me? I'm just glad you're here. I really am. I'm just glad you're here. But you could really, really improve your worship experience. If you move past obligation into adoration. It's kind of like this. There are some couples that live as roommates. They do. They just live as roommates. This one takes care of this. This one takes care of that. And they're just kind of together. But there's others that are madly in love. They're not roommates. They're lovers. I promise you. It's a little different situation. I can't wait to get home. Tammy can't wait for me to leave. Say amen. (laughs) I'm working on her side of the equation. Amen. I don't know. How many of us, are we coming to church as lovers? Are we coming as roommates? You're the bride of Christ. I'm not I'm not being graphic guys I'm just trying to get you to understand something. Are we coming to fulfill an obligation? Well, I'm coming. I'm cooking for you cuz I'm supposed to. Well, I'm paying the bill cuz I'm, you know. Or man, let me do this for you. Let me be a blessing. Tammy come in like yesterday, she, I, I got home late. I had to go to the funeral home, and, and I had some stuff I had to do at the church, and I got back a little bit later. And, and, uh, and man, she made me two of the best bacon, lettuce, and cheese, tomato sandwiches I have ever. I'm talking about, wow! I mean, just to be a blessing. Just come in here and say, and she wanted to be a blessing to me. Now, what do you think I thought about that? Now, are we coming, are we coming to be with our best friend, Jesus? Or are we coming to fulfill our part of the obligation? Let me tell you something. Your children will pick up on that so fast, it will scare you. And if you're coming because of obligation, they're not going to come at all. And when they get to that age where they can make their choice and make their decision, you can hang it up. Because if you're not excited about it, they sure ain't going to be excited about it. Church, say amen. Let's prepare. Let's expect God to do something. Let's 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 come in this thing and and man, get excited. I love it when the guys sing. I love it when they. I, I love everything about it. Well, I don't find you a place you can. Now, there's either two things that's wrong. You're not right with God, or you're not in the right place. And both of them can be fixed. Now, if you know you're right with God, and, and, and make sure and check that out first before you go to changing addresses, okay? Because I want you here. I would love for you to be here. But it may not be the place for you. You need to be where you can be excited because you need to be in a place where you can tell others about it. And you're not going to tell others about it unless you're excited about it. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Number three. Number three. What's number one? We see a. What do we need to leave our kids? We need to leave them a good work ethic. Number two, we need to leave them a good. Do they see you excited about the things of God? Number three. Number three. We need to leave them a weapons experience. A weapons experience. You say, what are you talking about? The other day, the other day, we had a situation and uh, uh, I, was, I was talking with a sheriff's deputy, and I had the girls there with me. We were standing there, and, uh, and, and all the girls and Tammy were standing there, and the, and the sheriff's deputy looked at Mackenzie. She's the youngest, and said, young lady, how old are you? And she told her age, said, you're old enough. I thought, old enough for what? Went to uh, Brandy. Brandy, how old are you? Or young lady, how old are you? Brandy told her age, and you're old enough. Went to Becca, same thing, same thing. And then turned to me and said, Daddy, these girls are old enough to be able to learn how to shoot a gun and take care of themselves and defend themselves. He said, Do you have any weapons? I said, Several. Amen. said, You need to teach them how to shoot them. And you know what we did after he left? I said, Come on, girls, let's go. I was waiting for that. Tammy, Now I have permissions. Amen. Now. Tammy, we get we get around there and I got a little, I got a little 380 pistol. I figure I'd start with a little one, you know? And uh, and, and we get out there and said, so Tammy wanted to go first. She missed it by this far. Say amen. I'm gonna have to give her a shotgun because she ain't gonna hit anything. But uh, and and then and then Jordan shot the oldest one. She's out there, pow! I mean, she didn't even come close either. Well, it got all the way down to Brandy, and Brandy uh, she said, Can I shoot her? I said, sure. And I showed her how to do it. How? I'm talking about dead bull's eye sinner. That is Doc Holliday. Amen? All you boys look out because she can shoot. Amen? <laughs> she was doing it. And this is what the guy said. He said, these, these, there's people around here, they need to know how to defend themselves. Amen. He looked at me and said, Daddy, you're not always going to be with them. Boy, I tell you what, I don't know about y'all, but all of a sudden a little cold chill just went all over me. To think that something, a stalker or something might come around and me not be there. And it dawned on me, I'm not always going to be there. I need to teach them how to defend themselves. You know what? How many of y'all know there's a stalker out there today? Every day of their life, there's a stalker named Satan. The Bible says he's an adversary. He's as the roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. Every day of your child's life, they're going to be stalked by the devil. And they need to know how to defend themselves. Are we leaving them without experience? Say, but I pray for them. Have you taught them how to pray for themselves? Well, I've, I've, I've showed them verses in the Bible. Have you taught them how to look up their own verses in the Bible? The Bible says we are to put on the whole armor of God. Does it not? Doesn't it say that? We're to put on the whole armor of God. And then it says take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Are we experienced? You can't give your kids experience if you don't have experience. We need to be able to teach our kids how when, when, when a temptation comes or when a problem comes or a situation comes, they need to be able to go to their Bible and find a Bible verse to defeat the temptation of the devil. I need a witness. Or are you going to die and leave them without weapons experience? Because see, Satan's still going to be after them when I'm dead and gone. Are you teaching them to pray about their problems? Or do you just try to solve them yourself? Here's what we need to do. All the kids, close your eyes, or close your ears. Let's teach them to pray about it, and then we'll try to help solve it. Because we're going to do it anyhow. Amen, parents? We're just going to try it, Whatever. But I've made a habit now. I've made a habit now. If, if my kid comes up to me, I'll say, have you prayed about it? Jordan's looking for a job. She's putting out applications everywhere. And she said, well, Daddy, I just, I said, have you prayed about it? Have you prayed that God would give you a good one? Have you prayed that God would give you the right one? Have, have you prayed about it? Sometimes it's rough being, have your daddy as a preacher. It really is. It's, it's tough. But you know what she did on Friday, Thursday or Friday, whatever day, I was about to leave to go to work. Ho, Daddy, ho, ho, come here, come here, come here. I said, what do you need? She was writing on a pad. She wrote three different jobs. She'd put applications she in. I need you to help me pray about this. I said, all right, you pray and I'll pray. She'd come up to the, she come up to the, uh, the, the office and she's, she's fixing to go somewhere. And I said, have you prayed about it? Well, no. I said, well, come on, let's pray right here. Here we go. Teach him to pray about it. And they're never too young. They're never too young. I learned this from Dr. Brown. where I went to Bible college, he did this. His little grandson come in, and, and uh, his, he, there's a gumball machine in, in, in Preacher Brown's office. And this he, kid's supposed to be at school. You know you can get away with murder when your daddy's the big kahuna. Say amen right there. Well, he come in there, a little fella come in there and said, Paul paul he said, I need a quarter. He said, boy, what you need a quarter for? He said, I need a gumball. He said, well, let's pray about it. He said, huh? He said, let's pray about it and ask Jesus for a quarter. So he bowed his head and he bowed it and he took a quarter out of his pocket. When he was praying, he put it up on the table. Oh, God, provide that. And there that quarter was. You say, oh, that's silly. uh huh, uh huh. He's teaching that kid how to pray. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? Or are we teaching our kids how to take value? And how, how, to, how, to, how to just complain about our problems? Or are we teaching our kids how to really solve them? Because we're going to have problems. I had I had five things. I had five, or actually four things. When I talked to all the couples that are going to get married, you got to have these things, or you're not going to have a good marriage. Number one, you've got to have Christ in the middle of it. Number two, you've got to have communication. If you don't communicate, you're going to have a rotten marriage. Then you got to have compromise. You need to work together. It's not 50-50. It's you give 100 and you give 100. Then you got to have commitment. you got to have commitment. you got to say, till death do we part. Yeah. Amen? Amen? But then I added one. I added one. I got to think about this through all the, the, the marital counseling I've been having to do and, and all of that. I got one that I added to it. It's called conflict resolution. We've got to learn how to solve conflicts. Because there's never been a marriage made on earth that doesn't experience conflict sooner or later. And it's not that we need to try to avoid them. We need to try to deal with them. Are we teaching our kids how to solve their problems or are we leaving them without any weapons experience? Because one day you're going to leave. I can't even imagine it. I can't even fathom that. One day I'm going to leave my kids. What are you going to leave them with? A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. If we teach our children a good work ethic, if we teach them an enthusiasm for the things of God, if we teach them how to defend themselves against the devil when that temptation comes, your grandkids are going to be all right. Because what you teach them, they will teach their grandchildren. Church, say amen. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. God, I pray for every father in this room. God, I love them, and I, I, I pray for their, their patience. I pray for their perseverance. I pray for their energy level.